welcome to this talk from Emmaus Road, a church with congregations in Guildford and Woking in the UK. To find out more about who we are and what we're up to, please visit us online at EmmausRoad.com. This morning we have the very wonderful Jazz Crown coming to speak to us this morning. Uh, Jazz is... uh, she is my wife. My wife. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm always aware that um, I grew up in churches where the men, whenever their wives go up to speak, they'd always make jokes about like how they were the better half or anything like that. But um, <laughs> Jazz is incredibly powerful and um, she knows God so intimately and she, he, she knows him so well. So um, as she speaks this morning, you'll get a glimpse of her heart. And uh, which is the most beautiful thing, I think. So, um, do you mind if I pray for you real quick? Yes. No, don't mind. <laughs> you can pray. <laughs> <laughs> she, she knows my prayer life so well. <laughs> so, I'll take anybody else for him. <laughs> Lord Jesus, we thank you for this strong, powerful woman of God. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray you would speak through jazz this morning to our hearts. That we might become more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. So the kingdom of heaven is like this. A man happens to find a treasure hidden in a field. He covers it up again and is so happy that he goes and sells everything he has and then goes back and buys that field. And we read this in Matthew 13, 44. What do you think of when you hear hidden treasure? I think of chicken, delicious chicken. Um, Earlier this year, some of you might know that Mike and I went to Japan on holiday. It was such an adventure. Um, We decided quite spontaneously and late in the day we were going to go. We had some time off. Um, And neither of us have ever been to that part of Asia before, let alone speak any Japanese. So it was the obvious choice for a holiday. Um, And one of Mike's favorite things in the world to do is to watch food documentaries on Netflix. I don't know if there are any other fans out there. But he told me about one that's called Ugly Delicious, where a guy called David Chang gets to go around the world eating all sorts of delicious food. um, And each episode features a different kind. So they might focus on pizza or tacos, et cetera, et cetera. Mike will go into great detail about this if you want to hear more. Um, But there was one episode that seemed to really capture him, which was all about barbecue. And in this episode, there is a chicken restaurant that made this type of chicken called yakitori chicken, um, which you can find in Japan. And it was so good that it made this presenter cry. And this restaurant happened to be in Tokyo. So you can imagine what happened. Michael got slightly fixated with finding this chicken shop. And we went out to Japan without a huge amount of a plan other than finding this chicken. (laughs) But as it turns out, this place is pretty hard to find. We Googled what felt like hours sat in our hotel room, and I wanted to give up, but Michael had his eyes firmly on the prize. 
Um, and in this search for this chicken, we weren't getting very far. So Mike decides to befriend a local person and asks for their help. Have you heard of this chicken shop? Um, and when this person helped us with a trusty Google to find it and find the number. And then Ian explained um, that this particular place was unlikely to take a booking from two Western tourists. And Mike looked so sad that the person offered to ring and make the booking for us, which was great. So we had a table. Um, the day came with much anticipation to go to the restaurant, and predictably, we got incredibly lost. Again, I was ready to give up. It was just chicken, I said. But Mike looked at me like I just kicked a puppy. He didn't even look angry, he just looked disappointed. Um, but we walked for what felt like hours through the back streets, which turned into running in the fear that our table would be given away as we became later and later, all in the name of chicken. But we finally found what we thought was this world-famous chicken shop. Um, surely this couldn't have been it. It was tiny, and it looked really dirty. And we walked past it backwards and forwards several times, as you do when you're like, I know where I'm going. I'm a tourist, but I know where I'm going. And you try and peek in to see if it was the place. I wasn't so sure, but Mike was. So he stuck his head through the door, and a very unimpressed waiter sort of looked at us. It was full of smoke, and the entire restaurant was about the size of a large car, including the open kitchen. A man pointed us to two empty seats, and we sat down. We were here. We made it. But then understandably and quite reasonably the menus are entirely in Japanese again I'm like okay this is it I'm giving up we've had enough I was very hungry I get a bit hangry so I was ready to give up and go and find some actual food but we picked up a few words and phrases there was no way we we're going to be able to order from this Japanese menu but Mike, he still pushes through. We are so close. And after a series of pointing and gestures and confusion, which is something that us British tourists are fluent in, the waiter eventually brings us an English menu. And Mike will tell you the chicken made him want to cry with joy. Ah, <laughs> hooray, we got the chicken. <laughs> Mike knew there was treasure to be found in the form of yakitori chicken in a tiny, dirty back street of Japan. This knowledge had fueled him to carry on the pursuit, to befriend strangers, walk and even run miles around an unknown city to find it and even be prepared to be an embarrassing tourist when trying to order it. I didn't know what he knew, so I was ready to give up at the first hurdle. But Mike knew there was going to be treasure in this seemingly unlikely place. And I must admit, the treasure was pretty good. It was pretty delicious. And although Mike could probably argue that this treasure could well be the treasure of the kingdom, there is more. You are deeply loved. And because of this love, we are called to seek treasure in everyone around us with the expectation and knowledge that we will find it. There is treasure and adventure in the everyday. And living like we are loved is the treasure map to finding the gold. So today, we're going to be looking at really three really simple things. The treasure in you, the treasure in those around you, and the treasure that we find in the everyday. So let's start right at the beginning. There is treasure 
in you. You are deeply loved. Sometimes we don't feel particularly lovely. I sure don't sometimes. But I'm going to tell you quite simply that you are. No one will ever say anything more profound, life-changing, and liberating to you. God loves you as you are right now. Amongst all the busyness and the striving and the searching and the rising and the falling and the elation and the deep depression and the anxiety and the hope and the joy and the unknown and the victories and the valleys, the disappointment and the celebration, he loves you as you are right now because he loves you because he loves you because he loves you. At the end of the day, it's probably the only thing that really matters. Everything flows from the knowledge that you are loved by Jesus. This extraordinarily powerful, it's at the heart of every miracle that we see. And it's more than a cosmic cuddle or a nice thought. I have a friend and he struggled with addiction for a large amount of his adult life. And a group of us were in a friend's living room the other day. And he said, I couldn't give up my addiction for my job, my family, my friends. But for the love of God, I could. But for the love of God, I could. Isn't that beautiful? Imagine all the scenarios that we can apply that to. But for the love of God, I could. That thing you are facing, that impossible situation that is overwhelming you, it feels like you can't possibly overcome it or make it through or make a change. But for the knowledge of love of God, you could. And of course, there are so many important processes that follow this realization in all of our journeys. But it is the foundation of everything. It's so simple, but when we grasp this and when we hear this, it changes everything. So try and hear it for the first time again today. Do you know that you are loved? Because you are. And this love, it drags us out of our darkest places and it sets us on a solid ground so that we can build the rest of our lives upon it. Like Adam spoke brilliantly about building strong foundations earlier in the series. And love is what makes us real. It's what makes us fully human. It's grounded and gritty and changes things. And it's when we learn to love and be loved that we begin to understand what Jesus meant when he spoke of living life to the full, as Bill spoke about last week. Many of you will have heard of or read this famous quote from The Velveteen Rabbit, which is this beautiful children's book. It's very profound and a little bit, I think it's quite adult, really. There you go. Um, And this toy rabbit is desperate to be a real rabbit. And in this story, he goes to his friend called the Skin Horse, which I think is actually a terrifying name. But there you go. Um, And he says to this Skin Horse, how do you become real? And this is the answer that this toy horse gives him. Real isn't how you are made. It's something that happens to you. When a child loves you for a long, long time, 
not just to play with, but really loves you, then you become real. Does it hurt? asked the rabbit. Sometimes, said the skin horse, for he was always truthful. When you are real, you don't mind being hurt. Does it happen all at once, like being wound up, he asked, or bit by bit? It doesn't happen all at once, said the skin horse. You become. It takes a long time. And that's why it doesn't have an often to toys who break easily or have sharp edges or have to be carefully kept. Generally, by the time you are real, most of your hair has been loved off, your eyes drop out, and you get loose in the joints and very shabby. But these things don't matter at all. Because once you are real, you can't be ugly, except to those who don't understand. Allowing ourselves to love and be loved and accepted is not easy for some of us. The process can be painful and long, and it can leave us a little bit shabby around the edges. But there is treasure in you. And God sees it, and I know that there will be people in your life that see it too. In a world desperately seeking authenticity from everywhere, learning to love and be loved is what makes us real. It's what makes us fully human. Everything that we do is to facilitate relationship with each other and with God. That's the goal. That's what's real, and that's heaven on earth. The treasure of the kingdom is the presence of God who is love in the presence of each other and the fruit that comes from it. And this brings us onto our second idea. There is treasure to be found in everyone. Jesus commands us to find the treasure in everyone we meet. His greatest commandments, the Bible says his greatest commandments, are found in Matthew 22, and it says this. Jesus tells us to love the Lord with all your, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Your neighbor is loved and you are the one that is called to love them. You will never look into the eyes of someone who God does not adore. We are loved and we know that there is treasure in us, so we seek with solid expectation that we will find it in those around us. Sometimes we find the treasure in others instantly. It just shines out of them, kind of hits you in the face. But with others, we have to dig a little bit deeper to find that treasure. But we are given these amazing sunglasses that we referred to throughout our sermon series this summer that help us to be treasure seekers. The knowledge that we are loved changes the way that we see the world around us. Mike knew that there was amazing chicken out there somewhere. This knowledge meant that he came, overcame all sorts of barriers to go and find it. When we know, which we do because Jesus tells us there is treasure in others, we can persevere in the search for it with the knowledge that we will find it. 
And this treasure is often found in the most unlikely places. When we get to know God, we know it's typical of him to show up and dwell in the most controversial places. We look at Jesus and his interaction with a Samaritan woman in John chapter 4, the woman at the well. Some of you will know this story really well. No pun intended there. That was good, wasn't it? (laughs) When Jesus meets this woman, he knows she had lived with five men, and the man she was living with at the time was not her husband. Within the culture she was in, this would have meant she would be judged and discarded and written off. Her self-image was likely to be shattered and she was probably riddled with all sorts of guilt and shame. She was a rejected woman from a rejected community. But Jesus saw the treasure in her. He starts that whole interaction in that story from his own need. Those of you that know it will know that he's thirsty and he asks her for a drink. He encourages her to serve him. He gives her purpose and teaches her that in this moment, the rest of the world might say you have nothing to give. He says you have something you can give, that you are loved as you are and you are necessary. He says, I need your help. And chooses her to send a message to the town that he is the one that is going to save them all. Jean Vanier, in his book, The Broken Body, says this. To give life is to be full of sacred wonder and reverence in front of the mystery of the person. It is to see the beauty within and beyond all that is broken. I'm going to read that again. To give life is to be full of sacred wonder and reverence in front of the mystery of the person. It is to see beauty within and beyond all that is broken. And we're foolish to think that we alone are discipling those people that we're seeking to rescue. That attitude will only get us so far. It's a covenant relationship that's discipling both parties. The rules of fear and power are torn down when we step off our pedestals and we learn from each other. Jesus is the one who rescues and we are the ones who love regardless. Imagine the conversations that would start in this culture, in this time, if we stepped off our pedestals and learned from each other. When we know that we are loved, we find treasure in others. And when we find treasure in others, it changes us. It literally changes the way that we think and the way that we see the world. It confronts what psychologists refer to as negativity bias. This is the idea that we're conditioned as a means of self-protection to be more sensitive to bad news and negative character traits in others than positive ones. And as we wear our sunglasses, as we renew our minds with and in Christ, we choose to be people who seek the best in others. It literally changes the physical makeup of our brain. And this isn't like wearing rose-tinted glasses and ignoring the terrible truth about others. It's actually removing blurred lies that are telling us lies about other people in the world. 
It's slowing down and seeing people for who they really are. Don't believe the lies. People are inherently good. There are numerous studies that show when people can acknowledge the good quality in others, they are more likely to feel safe, supported, and go on to achieve their dreams. This isn't just a mood-boosting self-help strategy, but it's part of the genius of our original design, a design in which everybody involved flourishes. It's so important that we call out the treasure and gifts that we see in people. But it's also important that we're ready to receive them ourselves. Gifts only become gifts when they're recognized and received. We aren't supposed to be consuming people, but we are built to be reliant on each other. We weren't designed ever to walk this walk on our own. If we want to see people flourish, to fulfill their potential, to know that they have a unique calling and purpose, then we must learn to accept the value of the treasure we find in others. The gifts God has given to us, they might be hospitality or humor or wealth or creativity, they only become gifts to others when they are received. Receive someone's gift this week. Allow it to be realized. And what a joy. We get to go around receiving gifts. That's fun. I'll receive anyone's gift of hospitality anytime. And this brings us on to our final point. There is treasure in there every day. It's from this place of living like we are loved and knowing there is treasure to be found in others that we find the treasure of the kingdom in the everyday. Living like we are loved is the first clue on the treasure map. Knowing there is treasure in others is the second clue. And with these clues, we will undoubtedly find the treasure of the kingdom. This treasure, this heaven on earth, is the presence of God who is love in the presence of each other. When we live like people who know that we are loved, we start to live life to the full. And when we live life to the full, we spot this treasure. And even the ugliest, most mundane stuff can become really beautiful. Last year, um, we started a group on a Monday for those in our community who might be a bit vulnerable or lonely or perhaps a little bit hungry. We'd open up the Founders Studio, which is just over the road in the evenings on a Monday night, and we'd take it in turns to cook for each other. At the beginning, maximum, there'd be eight people. The food was pretty awful sometimes, especially when I cooked. And there's only so much one can do to make Founders look nice, especially when there's only eight of you sort of rattling around in it. But... These remarkably ordinary moments were made extraordinary by the genuine friendship and kindness that was shared between those that came. Some evenings, it was very awkward and often very unimpressive to the outsider. But those Monday nights have been some of my absolute favorite times in Guildford. One particular highlight was when we sang our way through Oliver the Musical. <laughs> which was a delight for me because one of my secret dreams is to be Nancy in Oliver. <laughs> Maybe I should do one now. <laughs> no, I won't. Don't worry. Um, these clumsy, 
badly cooked and sometimes downright bizarre dinner parties led very slowly to three people deciding to become Christians or recommitting to their faith and brought the others into a loving community. The beauty of the everyday is found in very ordinary moments that become extraordinary when we wear these glasses, our sunglasses. On a side note, we now meet in Cafe Nero on a Monday afternoon. If anyone wants to come and join us, we would love that. Um, but life happens in the everyday, and there is treasure everywhere. It's because love grows in the everyday walks of life. It looks so ordinary, but the wildest adventure we can ever go on is daring to love another person deeply. We read in the parable earlier that once the man had found the treasure in the field, he went and sold everything he had that he might own the field the treasure was buried in. He gave everything he had in pursuit of this treasure. To live a life that truly seeks out treasure in others can make us vulnerable. And this adventure of loving another deeply is an adventure because it opens us up to heartbreak. Dorothy Day, who is a hero of mine, go and Google her if you haven't heard of her afterwards. She was a Catholic socialist campaigner in America in the 20th century. And she famously said, love is a harsh and dreadful thing to ask of us, but it is the only answer. Here, Dorothy was acknowledging that love can hurt, but if we push through the highs and the lows, there is deep joy in it. It's the only answer. The man in the parable, he made himself vulnerable in his hunt for his treasure. And from Jesus' life, we know that we are called to do the same. We are asked to do the same in the pursuit of the treasure that lies within our friends, our neighbors, our colleagues, and our families. Do you do this? Do you go after the treasure in others, armed with the expectation that you will find it with everything that you have? Living like we are loved allows us to see the beauty of the treasure of the kingdom in the everyday. It's so hard when we watch the news not to be crippled by the injustice we see in the world on our doorsteps. But when we're prepared to engage with the world and all its beauty and all its heartache and reject the patterns that numb us to it, it forces us to our knees in prayer because there is no other place to go. To love and be loved is the only answer. And it seems to be in this place that God lifts us back to our feet and runs with us into action, into relationship with others. Living life to the full, finding the treasure of the kingdom seems not to be about romanticized Hollywood action-adventure montages. It seems to be about choosing to root yourself in a community and embrace the humans around you. Every piece of treasure, every last gnarly broken part of each other. It seems that it will leave real scars on our hearts, but it creates real authentic beauty, real life, life to the full. Real adventure and real love and real treasure hunts will undoubtedly leave real scars.
but he promises that one day he will wipe away every tear. To engage with this hope of eternity can be painful because it requires us to continue to love when everything within us tells us to retreat. To continue to choose to trust in the hope and the treasure of a God who loves us and those around us and who loves the worlds when we see such fear and evil and chaos around, it would undoubtedly break our hearts a little bit. But this search for the hidden treasure of the kingdom in others and in the everyday points to a kingdom where we won't just catch the few tears that we can, but where every tear is wiped away by God himself. It's in this search for treasure in others that we learn to love and be loved and see heaven on earth. My prayer every morning is God show me what it is to love and be loved. It's that simple. Our faith is that simple. Our great call is to love and be loved. This simple truth that you are loved, we are loved, and he is love is the good news. It's the treasure of the kingdom and the fuel of creation to love and be loved. So let's be people who know the power of the hidden treasure in us that we might know how to search for the treasure in those around us and see the treasure of the kingdom, which is God's eternal love, unfold in the ordinary, extraordinary of the everyday. Let's be people who love and seek hidden treasure with everything that we have. Amen.